This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Finally, a big improvement in the rules for visiting long-term care. The government has moved to recognize family caregivers as such rather than designating them as visitors. Each resident will now be able to designate a maximum of two caregivers and they'll be allowed to visit without time limits. It also appears that this directive applies to all long-term care homes. Now, before each one had the discretion on how to apply the rules and there was a wide variation and that was actually a big problem. I'd like to hear from you. Does this change things for you? We know that uh, the residents in long-term care, they need contact with their loved ones. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Now let's go to Jane Medes, staff lawyer and institutional advocate at the Advocacy Center for the Elderly and Lisa Levin, chief executive officer at Advantage Ontario. Hello. Thank you for being with us. Good afternoon. Hi, Libby. Hi. Uh, so, Jane, do, does this solve the problem that we had with ca- family caregivers not having access? It's uh, certainly a, a start. Um, there's still a lot of, um, I think, issues that are going to um, be uh, run into during this. Um, it's going to take a while to sort it out. Hopefully there'll be a lot, you know, enough training and everything before the um, program actually starts on the 9th. I think that, um, you know, there's still a lot of um, discretion in the homes with their policies and stuff. So we're going to have to still see how it works out, you know, on the ground. Uh, yeah, that's, there was in the, in the release I saw, there was one kind of throwaway line about that. So Lisa, are you clear how much this disc of this discretion it takes away from homes and how much they still have? Cause whatever the rules were, it was always a, a nursing home could say, we, we can't accommodate that. Sorry. Well, Libby, there is definitely more guidance now and more information, but in fact, there's so much that it's very complicated. So the homes are going to need to take some time to go through the policies. Multiple pages of information has been sent out and figure out how to make it work uh, in in their home. Um, So uh, is is what I'm hearing that uh, actually it's it's not really clear what all of this means, Jane? Well, uh, you know, I think that it's saying that, you know, I think it's clarified that family members certainly can be essential visitors if they're providing levels of care in the home. It certainly allows for private caregivers to get back in. It certainly does give some guidance there. But again, you know, sometimes the devil's in the details. So we're going to have to see what kind of policies and how these things sort of are interpreted by the homes um, and within the policies um, to determine how things are going to happen actually on the ground. I think there's a lot of um, problems when you have these policies. As Lisa said, this is a very, you know, it's still a very lengthy policy uh, document. There's a lot of details in it. It is very confusing to try to figure out what's the difference between an essential caregiver and a caregiver, et cetera. 
and then, you know, how people are going to interpret things. Um, you know, and I think that uh, I still think there's going to be a lot of, um, there's still a lot of, um, interpretation as well as there's conflict between, you know, like what's in the long-term care homes act and what's in this, um, that's going to be, have to be worked out. I guess what my question is, is, is can a facility say, I'm sorry, we just can't accommodate you. I don't think that they can. I can ask Lisa if she thinks so. I think that, you know, if they're not in outbreak, I think that the essential visitors are pretty clear that they're allowed in. It's just how they're going to do that. I think that may be an issue. Lisa? Yeah. Yeah, I think that homes are being told that they have to allow essential caregivers in. The issues is uh, arise um, if someone comes and doesn't follow the rules. For example, let's say they refuse to wear a mask, then they are... A, they will be able to, homes will be able to say to families, you need to follow the rules. And if they really don't, and most will, of course, because they care about the safety of their loved ones, then they will be able to say, you can't come and visit anymore. Okay, I just want to tell our callers, please be patient. We will get to you, and I'll give out the numbers again, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. I know that we have a number of people who were really waiting for this, who were really chafing under the restrictions uh, for getting access to their loved ones, and this is interesting that there is guidance and I know that there are some issues in, in other provinces as well. Uh, are we the first, do you know, Jane? To allow uh, yeah. visitors, I don't know. Uh, and is there any inkling on what happens in, if there's a second wave, are, are family caregivers still going to be allowed in or does everything kind of shut down tight again? Lisa? The policy talks about how if there's an outbreak, uh, you can still have caregivers in, but with a little more restriction. But I think that it is possible that if uh, a community goes into major outbreak, that there's the possibility that public health could put greater restrictions in place to protect the home. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like the discretion now has moved from the home to public health. I think some of it has. I think there's still some that is going to be. There's still a lot in these documents that give, you know, allow the homes to have policies and interpret things. And I think that's where we're going to see the issues. And that's where we've seen it in the past. Um, I think if there's a second wave that the government certainly has said that, you know, you know, I agree with what Lisa just said, if there's outbreaks, but I think that if there was a huge second wave, the government certainly has said that they will be relooking at these policies and they can change them at any time. Mm-hmm. So what are the things that, I mean, my understanding was the thing, the big thing that they were just running into problems with is that some homes said you can only come for half an hour once a week. And now if they can't, what do they have to put in place if it is a family member going in and, and staying with their loved one in their room, what does the home have to be put in place to to prepare for that? So, Libby, there's different types of visitors that are defined by the ministry. One of them is an essential visitor, and those individuals are, as Jane said, each long-term care resident can designate two people as essential visitors, and those people can come in with without restriction. They need to be screened, of course, uh, and they can be in their room. They can help them with uh, eating and 
dressing or whatever, you know, whatever they need. And then there's also visitors, which would be other individuals who come in, and those people would have potentially more restrictions, and they would have to schedule their visits. And that's so that we don't completely open up the doors super wide to long-term care. We need to make sure that residents have contact with their families and vice versa. I mean, we just can't go on any longer without that. But we also can't completely open up the doors wide open to long-term care because COVID is still out there and it will come in. And when it gets into long-term care, it's not good. What about the requirement for a, 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 a negative test within two weeks, Jane? Uh, that is still in place for both regular visitors as well as the essential visitors. So that is, is still going to be happening. Um, and that's, you know, going to continue, I think, for some period of time. Um, so whether you're visiting for that 30 minutes once a week or you're an essential visitor coming in and providing care. And I think that's where we're going to get a lot of interpretation issues is some people are going to say, well, I want to go in and sit and, you know, provide emotional, you know, support for that person for a long period of time. And is that an essential visitor or is it a regular visitor? Uh, but yes, they still have to do their testing, um, et cetera. Uh-huh. And uh, again, but if if it's the person that can designate the two people, I mean, who's to say if it's emotional support or otherwise, as it's, I read it as it's up to the resident to designate the two people. So do I. And I believe that it talks about um, not not just you know, helping with feeding and other practical things. Uh, it it should also apply, and it's written in that way, it's trying to find the definition in this huge document, uh, to allow that social um, contact. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't disagree, I think, but this is where we get into these interpretation issues with the homes, where, you know, one home will interpret it in one way and one will interpret it another way, and then who do you go to to try to resolve that? Um, and, you know, there's also issues around people being banned if they're not, you know, getting, uh, they're not following protocols per the home. And we've seen that happen even in cases where, in our opinion, they did follow the protocol. So I think those are the things that we're going to see continue as problems. Well, how, how much, how, how often do those things crop up? We get a fair amount of calls. We hear about it, um, you know, fairly often where people are being either told that if they don't toe the line that they're going to be um, barred or hearing about people who are being barred. And again, I think it's a fear in the homes. And I think it's also some confusion as to how some of these um, very lengthy and and quite convoluted, frankly, documents um, are to be interpreted. They are complicated um, and they aren't that easy to understand. Now, luckily, the ministry is doing some training, um, and hopefully all the homes will get the training and that that will trickle down to the people on the ground. Uh-huh. Well, it's actually now a requirement as part of the new policy that homes need to make sure that visitors and essential visitors uh, review certain videos on training, training videos related to protecting uh, like infection prevention and control. So I think that's an important element that the ministry added in. What about PPE? They, uh, Everyone who comes in the home needs to wear a medical mask that would be supplied by the home. And if there's an outbreak, then they would have to wear further PPE. But if it's just a regular visit on a regular day, then they would wear a mask and they'd have to wash their hands regularly. Okay, well, that doesn't sound too onerous at all. Yeah, and, and I think and I think the other thing is is clarified, I hope, 
some of the issues around uh, whether or not you can have physical contact because it does indicate that visitors can if they've met certain criteria. And, and that's where we've run into some problems before that our interpretation was there could be some physical contact um, and homes were, were interpreting it differently. So hopefully that's changed as well because I think, you know, giving a pat or a, you know, a hug or something um, is very important to people who've been really detained, you know, without a lot of contact since, since March. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it just seems so strange that uh, a hug would be so regulated. Well, unfortunately, a, a hug could transmit COVID um, if people aren't wearing masks. And so it, it does sound very odd. And I think a lot of things are just not the way they used to be. And at the same time, it's so important to have that physical contact, you know. And so it's really, really, the, the whole thing is challenging and we need to maintain that delicate balance between keeping residents safe physically and making sure that they most their emotional needs are met as well. Okay, we are just about out of time. Uh, Jane, so what has to happen to make sure that this sticks and works well? Well, I think the, you know, as I said, there's going to be training on the policies for the homes and I hopefully that will happen. And I think that the, you know, these are living documents. We can certainly see things in these documents where they're obviously responding to complaints and issues that have happened. So I think that needs to continue in these policies and, and procedures need to continue to evolve as we go along. Okay. Well, as always, we will be checking back on how this evolves. A very important issue to us. Thank you so much, Jane Metis and Lisa Levin. Thank you. Thank you, Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.